Have you ever been to a professional development conference or workshop and the person suddenly starts talking about giving out lollipops and pizza and different awards like that? And you sit there thinking to yourself, yeah, okay, maybe that works at the elementary level, but never in my classroom. Well, Victor Nixon is here to tell you different, and he does so in the talk I just had with him. Hey, everyone, Dr. Jones here with another episode of Seeing to Lead. And this is such a good episode about incentives and belonging. And this is such a good episode because it speaks to different aspects of leadership on a deeper level that sometimes we don't think about. You know, when I talk about pizza and lollipops and different small incentives like that, that are given to students in classes or awards that they get all hyped up about. And yes, at the secondary level too, it's not about the award. Those small incentives, those extrinsic things are never about the award itself, but instead about the feeling it gives the student of being valued and their admiration from the teacher. You see, it is about relationships. And it's about how students feel about those teachers, because deep down, students do still want to please teachers. And oftentimes, we as adults don't try things in classrooms because we're uncomfortable with them, not the students. So there's that piece that we have to get over as the adults so that our students truly can benefit. Another piece that Vic talked about is leaders, when observing classes or visiting classes, picking out a student that you know could use a couple words of encouragement and giving them specific feedback after the class ends and they're walking out. That helps build more of a sense of belonging or encouragement. And finally, Vic really harps on the idea of you needing to go out of your way to include student and teacher voice and choice, because the only way you can affect change or have the biggest impact is to make sure you are leading by listening. You can increase teachers' engagement and empowerment by setting the example and ensuring you follow through on whatever you say is happening next. Well, you've heard enough from me, and you really are going to like listening to Vic on this episode. So. As I like to say, let's get to getting better on Scene to Lead. I think the number one thing, which is people who are listening to tell us the theme is to listen. You have to listen to people who you lead, listen to everyone. And also as a leader, a lot of people want to, uh, I guess, monopolize their leadership, delegate some things out. You'd be surprised on the leadership abilities of some of your teachers. That's what I try to do when I have projects. I, I can't do it all. So I delegate things out and it's a good test for those teachers who want to be leaders themselves. So don't try to hold all, all the power. I, I've had principals before who try to hold everything and they, and, they, and they almost lose their minds because they can't, you can't do everything. You have to release some of that. You can't uh, delegate authority, but you can responsibility. You can delegate tasks. 
Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Victor Nixon is originally from South Carolina, but calls Texas his home. He graduated with a BA in psychology from the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina. He earned a master's in educational psychology from the University of Oklahoma, and he also earned a master's in counseling from Amberton University. Finally, he earned an EDD in curriculum and instruction from Liberty University. He has over 20 years of public school experience in Texas. He was a behavior adjustment teacher at the elementary level before becoming an administrator. He has experience as an assistant principal at both the elementary and secondary levels and currently is an assistant principal for North Mesquite High School in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He is a veteran and was in the Army for six years, earning the rank of captain. Victor is happily married for 33 years to a second-grade teacher and has a daughter who teaches fourth-grade writing. He also has a son who works in logistics. He's an avid football fan and follows the New England Patriots. He's presented and taught at the campus and state levels. His most recent presentation reviewed differentiated instruction. Vic also has an article published addressing successful school leader traits. I'm really excited to talk to Vic today because he's got so many leadership experiences at different levels and in different areas. And so those things that he's going to bring to us today are applicable no matter where anyone goes and in what setting they exist. Well, Vic, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here coming from a nice sunny Texas. <laughs> yeah, you're going to start with that already. You know, I'm looking out the window and we've got a nor'easter scheduled for the next three days, um, somewhere between rain oh, and snow. <laughs> I saw it That's why I said that. I saw it on the news. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, no, so it, yeah, you've got the sun, we've got the rain and cold, but that's all right. We'll we'll keep it warm here while we're talking. So okay, that'll work. <laughs> you've got a history where you um, served in the military, and you know I'm I'm sure that's appreciated by a lot of the listeners and by by me especially for your service. And that's obviously an act of service. And education is another act of service and serving others. Why don't we start off the conversation by just saying? What are you passionate about in education? What is it that drew you to education? Well, I'm passionate about kids' belonging, belongingness. You, you got to want to come to school. And I'm going to attend, I guess I'll give you a background on what I do. I'm the attendance administrator on my campus. And when I have interviews with students and talk to them, you can tell they don't feel they belong. I'm in a pretty large high school, and they feel like they're a number. And when you feel like you're a number and no one knows your name, and I actually did a little, I guess, you know, a little, Faithful, if you want to say. I asked kids the other day, how many how many uh, teachers uh, say good morning to you uh, this morning? And the majority of them say none, zero. And so I'm having attendance problems, and I and I really am having attendance problems with everyone else. 
And the reason why, part of it, because kids don't feel that they uh, belong. They don't feel like they are part of, of, of the school. They just they just go to the school and that's it, and, and, and leave. That's it. And that's what I'm passionate about, is trying to find out how to make kids feel that they belong to school. And the reason why I'm saying that is because when I went to school, and I'm not going to date myself, when I went to school, I enjoyed going to school. I enjoyed talking to teachers. I could talk to teachers like I talked to my parents. I felt like that was my school. I would refer to it as my school. And now it's, it's just totally different. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a lot of that. And that's that is such an important question for many administrators. And you and I were talking before we hit record on this about, you know, attendance, attendance is a real thing. And it's a real problem among many schools, especially since COVID hit and a lot of schools went virtual. And now we notice that, you know, it was an issue before. But now that, you know, now that those kids had the virtual opportunity, they're not so inclined to come back. So now we've really got a problem because we relaxed requirements and things like that. And now we have to get back to them. It, it, you know, it's it's a lot about it's a lot about that belonging piece that you talk about. And that's so important. A lot of schools talk about SEL activities and initiatives. What are some things you do to help students feel they belong or to help improve that? Well, we, we come up with a, uh, an, an award because it's not, it doesn't it's pertain to all students, obviously. You know, we, we're like at 96.5%. But what it, some kids, they get all the awards, you know, all the recognition. They play football. They play basketball. They, they win this. They win that. So what we did was we came up with a, an award uh, that each teacher gives out each grading period. And we do nine grading periods. And it's for the kid who, who, who is struggling, who's overcome. Um, a, a kid, and the wording we put on there is a kid who... Is, is, is not normally recognized. You know, it's not like everybody gets a trophy. We don't want that either because it won't mean anything. And they actually had pizza with the principal. And believe it or not, at the high school level, 18-year-olds like having pizza with the, with the principal. Believe it or not. <laughs> it's very true. And so we try to do that. And we mentioned earlier before, before the podcast is I do a uh, weekly drawing of students um, per week. You have zero targets. And it starts over every week. So it gives everybody an opportunity to, to participate in this. You can win it multiple times. And I gotta admit, you know, we're not, I'm not, uh, there's no, uh, I guess lawyer looking at me. You know, sometimes I get some kids that are struggling with their attendance and I let them know, Hey, you know, you're, you're close to getting the award. You're close to getting it. And I kind of finagle who wins. It's not really <laughs> per se, but you know, it serves a purpose. And as we mentioned earlier, really it's for me because, uh, what I do with attendance, uh, I deal with truancy court, uh, paying fines, things of that nature is really negative. What I do is that's a positive. And it's more for me, to be honest with you, than the students. But it's so funny when students come to my office, they walk in there and they know what I do. I, I'm no fluent on campus. It, does. it looks like they're going to a funeral. And I joke around <laughs> with them. I say, hey, you know, you, you, you are, are, are truant. Uh, your court deed is such and such. You got to sit in mouth over and say, no, I'm just joking. And they get a candy bar. Uh, it's usually candy bars we give out. And they, they, and they really they just to see the, the smile on their faces and they take a picture with the stallions. And we have a big stallion in front of the, in front of our, uh, Courtyard, and they take a picture in front of the stadium, smiling, and we put it you know, in our newsletter. And it works for elementary and it works for high school. People that they say, I've talked to other people, I said, you know what? That won't work for us. I said, try it, try to see. People told us the picture of the principal, teachers even say this. Is the picture of the principal? That's this, that's the elementary. That's not gonna work. I'll tell you, it works. Yeah, you know, there's so many things. It's funny that people say that and they just out of hand dismiss things without trying them um, because they're uncomfortable with them. Exactly. It's not the students that are uncomfortable. It's the, it's the teachers and the, the administrators that are going to be uncomfortable with them. 
I, I tell a story. I, I walked into a, um, a classroom when I was an assistant principal. I walked into a classroom to do an observation of a teacher. I was, I was fairly new in the school and she used stickers. And now, now this is high school. So she, you know, she uses these stickers and the kids went nuts. They had to have the right notebook, which had the notes in it. And then she, she used it as a review where the students would answer these questions and they'd get a sticker for answering a question. Well, now the students are arguing about who gets picked to participate in the class more because if they don't have the right notebook, they don't get the sticker in the right place and it becomes an issue. I walked out of there scratching my head because if I ever went to a professional development workshop <laughs> and they were talking about this sticker thing, I would have been like, yeah, okay. Um, stickers at the high school level, I don't think so, but they went nuts about it. It works. And you know, it's, it used to remind me of something. Before I was at Mesquite, I was at a very affluent high school uh, in the North part of the state, very affluent, number three in the nation academic-wise. And the sticker is really, yeah, personally, it may not be the sticker, it may be the, the, the feelings they have towards the teacher. So I'll tell you a brief story is that, you know, the little dum-dum uh, uh, lollipops that they come out, they're like a penny each or two pennies each, whatever, whatever. Well, we had a Spanish teacher yeah. who would give these out when they, when they had certain questions in groups. And again, this is a fluid school. I mean, I had the worst car on campus. The stewards drove, BMWs, uh, uh, I mean, everything. My car was the worst car on campus. But anyway, they could buy the factory. So we had a, his, he, it was a football player, a uh, lineman, big guy, about six, about six, five, uh, close to 300 pounds. And he didn't get his, he didn't get his lollipop, his, his dumb, dumb lollipop. <laughs> he got up. Seriously, he got up. And he like he's going to charge the teacher. I was like, what? So I went and, and I was observing. You know, I tried to be invisible, but I couldn't do it for this. So I took my class on the side of the class. I said, what's going on with this? I said, why, why? She said, well, she didn't, she, I, I answered the question. She didn't give me my, my lollipop. I answered the question. I said, you can, I said, you can buy a factory. What do you, what, what, what's going on here? And he thought for a second. And I just realized it wasn't about the lollipop at all. It was the admiration from the teacher. It is what it was about. I think sometimes these awards that you do, it seems simplistic. It's not really the awards per se. It's what they, what they feel for the teacher. He wanted that admiration from his teacher. And I was like, wow, he never, he, he finally realized that. I'll say maybe the end when he really graduated. In fact, he realized that. But at the, at the time, it was heated. <laughs> he just wanted a lollipop, but it wasn't, it wasn't a lollipop. And like I say, it was tough looking up like this. But yeah. I, I had yeah. to see my side. And I learned from that. You know, it's really the teacher, what administrator, whoever it is, it's the person. You can give out stickers, you can give out crayons, you can give out toothpicks, but it's just the person who was going to make it successful. You know, that's so important what you said. I just hope everybody that's listening to this was paying attention to that when you said that, because it is about the admiration from the teacher. It, it doesn't have to do with a sticker, a dum-dum lollipop, anything like that. So how do we as leaders encourage teachers and even our colleagues, or let's look in the mirror at ourselves, how do we show that it's that important so that we actually do those behaviors that will will get the kids hooked like that? Well, you got to set an example, number one, you have, you have to do it. You can't tell, uh, and that's the leadership one-on-one thing in the military as well. You, you got you to you have to show, and you got to show that, that it works. And then when you encourage others, uh, we have, uh, which, well, I guess, I mean, come management groups, I guess, with your teachers. We have certain, we're assigned certain teachers. I have uh, uh, CTE, Career Technology Education. Yeah. And basically, I have a hard spot to everything. And I also have PE. And, I had, and we switched up. I had, uh, uh, I had uh, math last year. And what we do is we sit down and we talk about these type of things. We're trying to get the number of referrals down as well. Because even though I do truancy, I'm also with the referrals. 
We talk about these things. And once teachers come with initiatives, you can't, you can't shoot them. You have to listen. And I think that's one of my skills uh, uh, that I have is listening. If you look at my, my, my uh, description, it says I'm a professional listener. That's what I call myself. Because you have to listen. I also listen with my eyes. You know, you look at body language and everything else. So you listen to what the teachers uh, are saying. Then you encourage them. Any little effort. Now, of course, it's outrageous. You can't do it. But you encourage them to make those steps. And teachers are doing what I found is that no matter where our school, whether it's the top three in the nation school, title one, teachers want to do the best things. You just have to encourage them. And then if it doesn't work, you say, okay, maybe we need to think about this. You think about that. But to answer the question directly, you have to show it yourself with the teachers, you know, and then the teacher will be passed on to the students. Because when I did uh, math, we had a, a monthly math teacher. We had a teacher of the month for math. We took pictures, gave certificates, and they really liked that. I mean, there was no check with it. There was no trophy. But, they, but people, people just want to be recognized as students, teachers. Because even in a, like, I think the problem we're having in my school is that it's so large that you can be a number. And it goes with teachers. We have, what, almost 250 teachers on, on campus. We have quite a large campus. Yes. And they want to feel like they're, they're more than a number as well. And we recognize when there's little things like that, it works. And it's got to be something specific. You can't go and say, you know, you did a good job even with students. Did a good job. Good job. What they know, they've been hearing that forever. It's got to be something specific. Yeah, in your classroom, I saw this, so I saw that in your classroom. And getting back to kids, and I hope I'm not rambling, but getting back, not to kids, Is this when I when I do an observation and I see, I know a kid in there that's struggling, whatever, or or a kid that's just not doing well. Then when the class is over, I pull them out. I say, you know, I you did real well in that class. Like, are you gonna be a scientist, manager? Are you gonna be a mathematician? Are you gonna be a scientist? What are you, you did real well. I saw you answering those questions. Now, they may have done well, they may not have done well. But guess what? It, it cheers them up, you know, because they're no longer a number, no longer somebody is going after. Because our teachers have so much to do. They have so many, you know, uh, tests. we know the testing and grades and everything else. And sometimes they can't give that uh, attention that they want to. So I try to do that when I'm doing my observations in the classroom. That's what a great point. You know, I, I, I never really thought of it that way because we're so hyped up on giving feedback to the teachers and making sure the teachers get that immediate feedback and everything that we could. And and every once in a while, I'll say something to a student, but I'd be lying if I said that, you know, I specifically selected a student that I wanted to make sure I grabbed after class and said something. That's and And, you know, you talk about an impact that you can make that you don't even think about. And I should have, because it makes me think about another school I was at I had an adjustment counselor come up to me with a kid that was having a problem, and not with the kid, but about a kid that was having a problem. And she asked me if I would take some time and maybe talk to the kid with her. And I, I looked at her like, what, this kid doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. Why would, why would they ever you know, confide in me or what could I possibly do to help out um, or open them up more? And she said, no, 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 no. This kid really likes you. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why is that? And so I asked the question and she said, you were busy the other day and you were running back and forth in the office and you were leaving the office and you saw this kid sitting in a chair in the office and you stopped to say hi to him and ask him how they were doing that day. Yeah. And, and so the kid made made that connection and she said, the kid thinks that you really care about him because you stopped to talk to him and that doesn't happen all the time and hasn't happened for him. So it's those little things we don't realize that just have such... A major impact. It's Ooh. it's those lollipops. It's those stickers. Mm-hmm. Well, getting back to the, what I was telling you, where we had the uh, the awards. It's called the principal's list. Now, my personal name is Serene. Called Reed's list, and we actually had a parent 
They wanted to come in and say, okay. I said, well, you know, we don't want mixed parents as students. And my parents said, okay, we'll, we'll let them come in. Come to find out is that that kid who received that award, he was having problems for the last three years. That's the first positive information that this, this parent has received. This parent drove a truck. This parent, well, we gave him a week in advance. You know, we had to set it all up. And, you know, I works with PO orders and all that. And a week in advance, and we gave invitations out. And this parent took off of work. Drove a truck. He drives a truck. He should see his son. Yeah, it, it, it's just a, we, we just like like shop, you know. The little things you do, it may be little to you, but it's a whole it's the whole world to other people. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. You know, and you talked about you said something really important all and all along these this idea of belonging, and you know, just to jump off track a little bit, where you said that with teachers, the teachers want to do the best they can because teachers want to belong as well. They want to belong as part of that community. But when you when you talk about belonging. You were mentioning, I like this, with uh, you maybe fudge the numbers a little bit and self-select students that might need that award more than others. Just doing that, that's so important because we need to figure out who can use that boost at that time. And so do you use any formula to do that or any format or is it just you know because you're present, you're in the moment and you you work with these students? Well, we have uh, four, I know, Truancy, I do. I have all. I have so many reports there. I, I, I don't even go over. It, it took over the, the whole podcast would be over if I had to go. Over <laughs> but I also work with four uh, that we we call them uh, uh, grade level principals. So I work with them, and they let me know who we need help. And I've done that position as well, so I know the kids. And I go out every morning and I speak to kids, as I know as well. But they let me know is this kid he's kind of struggling, and can you work with us? And yeah, it's no problem. We make sure he wins. Now you have, you have to. You have to have no targets. We're not going to give it to you. So what I'll do is that on that Friday, I grab them and say, hey, that Monday morning, I say, you, you right now, you are in the running for it. Please, no, make sure you're on class on time, no targets. And that's what we do. I work, I work through the, the four of grade level principles. Awesome. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. You mentioned you have a big school, and you know, it's funny because I think about big schools where I am, and they're they're like little baby schools where, where you're at. But um, one of the things I do, again, with the belonging piece in the staff meetings is I'll just give time in the staff meetings for people to meet and talk. I'll give them like a topic to talk about um, with people that they don't typically see. And we'll do shout outs at staff meetings so that other people in the building can see what these other people are doing and who they are. Exactly. So, and that's just with a smaller school. And I do that to make sure that that occurs. I can't even imagine 250 staff. 
Well, some staff members don't even know other staff members. Do you work here? Yeah. Do you work here? Well, excuse me, where are you going? It's a teacher because we're in, we're so spread open. Spread well. I mean, it's like we have certain subs like every other school, certain subs on certain floors and, and certain wings. And so if you're not in the same PLC, then you, well, you may not know the other, other people. That's your coach. You coach, you know, uh, a sport or something. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's hard. You know, it's just hard when you have that many. Uh, teachers and, and us as administrators, knowing their names, you should know a little bit. I try to learn a little bit something about uh, each teacher. You know, do you have kids, your kids play volleyball, you know, and some I have, I'm closer to some, uh, but not others. It's due to the fact of, of the logistics of, you know. Now you talk about your passion for belonging and, and we've talked about that a lot and different ways to do that, especially in your role. Keeping that in mind and keeping what you go through each day, what should schools look like for teachers and students in a perfect world? Perfect world. Well, for, for students, it should be a place uh, of safety. It should be able that you feel I can come to school and wherever my issues are at home, I, I can I can go to school and I can either give them a someone will listen to them. I mean, I give them songs, I give them a dress for someone to listen to. Them. And also a source of, of advice and a source of choices. I think sometimes we just point that they go to school and we just tell them from from first period to we have we block schedules, the so one through eight period, one through fourth period on A days and you know, we B day. You do this, 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 this. And we need we need to list up to the students and what do, what do they want? You know, because a big focus, and again, if I'm on a tangent, let me know. They call me the tangent master sometimes, is that what 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 we should do is that we should listen. There's a big push, at least in Texas, probably everybody else is going to college. Every kid doesn't doesn't have to go to college. You can go CTE, career technology education, but this is what the our whole focus and how we weave and rate it sometimes. Is how many kids that we fill out applications and things that nature. We need to listen to kids. So we need to come and know that we're going to listen and give them choices. And the same thing for teachers. We need to, in a perfect world, uh, we need to listen to teachers. Who better, who better understands the kids than the teachers? You know, I, I, I've come into meetings and decisions are being made and there's not one teacher in there. <laughs> it's, it's all administrators and, and, and uh, you know, instructors and this and that, uh, directors, and there's not one teacher in there, you know. As a matter of fact, uh, a funny story is that Texas is like everyone else has a teacher shortage. And so the state of Texas uh, put together a commission. It's called TEA, Texas Education Agency. Put together a commission that you're addressing. And guess what? There were no teachers on the committee. <laughs> and then when that came out, all of a sudden, they, they invited some teachers on the committee. When, when the teacher agency, we don't have any unions here. We have uh, associations. When the associations got upset, then they put teachers on it. But again, teachers and teachers are on fire. They know the kids better than, than we know. And so they teach you to have choices as well. You know, um, I know certain things you have, you, you have to teach, you know, according to the state. Uh, we, we call them teachers where we're from. Teachers essential skills and tasks. We, you know, every state has them. But we need to give teachers choices, you know. Give them the requirements and say, here, have that. You know, and, but I know some, if some schools in, in Texas, and I came from what, where everything is so scripted. You are given your lesson plan. You are given, you got to be on this page at this time. I mean, we don't need to do that. We're not, we're not the old ways where we're trying to get kids to simulate in a factory. You know, these, these are kids. Some kids go slow. Some kids go, go, you know, fast. Let me say teachers, here's what, here's what they have to learn by this point and have that. And they need help. As administrators, we go in, we check. We have instructional coaches. Uh, I'm pretty sure you may have them as well. And we'll check to make sure. You know, but I think we need to give teachers some, some latitude. They they are the experts. And the reason why I'm saying this is I'm married to a teacher over 20 years. My daughter is a teacher. Been five years. Hopefully, maybe six. 
But uh, I have a family, a family of teachers. Other than my son, my son, he's not teaching. Uh, but my wife is a 20-year teacher, second grade. My daughter is a, is a uh, writing teacher for fifth grade. So I hear what they're saying. I remember when I, when I taught is that you just, we're just taking for granted. Teachers are taking for granted. That's usually their knowledge. But it, it give their input. Give them some choices, you know. Professional development. Give them some choices for professional development. I'll say you got to do this, 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 and this. Because a big issue going on now is called a reading academy. Uh, and it was thrust upon teachers in Texas, and they had to do it. And a lot of my, te- a lot of my uh, uh, teachers are very upset. It's elementary, it's not about secondary. But they didn't give a choice. You, you, you have to do it. And I think we need to, I guess to summarize, is that uh, a school needs to be a place where teachers have choices, where teachers have the freedom to, uh, to teach. And not to be force fed this, 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 and this. And I don't want to get into the, to a, 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 a standardized test of, I guess, <laughs> a podcast here. Yeah. But that's driving everything for us. I don't know how it is for you. And that's just driving everything for us. Everything is based on when they took that test and you backdate from that, what you had to teach. And again, we talk about, uh, differentiated instruction. You know, you probably heard this before, but you would give standardized tests. So I don't, I don't let them get. You know, but again, you know, that'd be a perfect world if teachers were given the latitude to do what they need to do and students come uh, to school feeling comfortable enough to discuss their, their issues and be able to make choices about their, their future. You bring up some fantastic points. And now you said your wife's a seventh grade teacher? Oh, she's a second. Second. She okay. cannot handle second, seventh, seventh graders. Because <laughs> my wife's a seventh and eighth grade teacher. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and sometimes she tunes into this, so I better make sure I'm towing the line for what I'm saying about teachers. <laughs> but no, um, it's, uh, you know, what you're saying about the student voice and choice is so important as well as listening to teachers. We had that issue up here when they were redoing Common Core and different standards and things like that. And they were they were putting these things together and they they didn't have teachers on them. And so then these standards of what you're supposed to teach and how you're supposed to teach it come out. And the teacher's like, what are you talking about? We didn't even, nobody even consulted us. And we're the ones in front of the students. And they're usually written by people that probably wouldn't last the better part of three days in a classroom with all the things that teachers have to do. So it's, um, I really like that you, you said that. And when you're talking about giving teachers more voice and more input and getting them more active, that's a leadership thing. That's a mindset thing. But as leaders, how do we make that environment for students where teachers offer students voice and leaders listen to students? How can we foster an environment like that? Well, again, as we said earlier, you got to set the example. I mean, us as leaders, we had to set the example and be able to trickle down uh, to the teachers and also expectations in the uh, PD, especially at the beginning of the year and at mid-year and monthly. Uh, and, and weekly, to be honest with you, I start my teachers weekly. Uh, you know, it may not be, you know, informal. And you, you, you look for that. There's a lot of things where I see in education, in my, in my time in, but oh, I can't believe I'm dating myself. I'm almost 30 years is that <laughs> things we, we, we come with these good ideas, but we never follow through. They last, you know, a month, they last a week, six weeks, and then life happens. They don't follow through. That's one of the, one of my pet peeves. And that's why I, I, I do the, 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 uh, the truancy thing I'm telling you about, about the, uh, no targets. I, I follow through. If I say I'm going to do something, I follow through. That's no one complaint. That I hear from teachers as well. So here we go again. Here's another another initiative. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so what we have to do is we have to uh, first set the exam. 
And then we have to follow through and make sure that it's happening and that it's this, this, this disappear. Awesome. So we're getting near the end of the near the end of the podcast. Oh no. I have two. Yeah. Yeah. That went quick. We're sitting here talking. Oh. That went quick. So I've got two questions I ask everybody. D- don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. You'll come back. But um the first one is if you were an educator, if you weren't a leader, who not what would you be? Who would I be? I, I would right now, or probably to be honest with you, I'd probably be dead. To be honest with you, because I'd be in the military, I'd be honest with artillery officer. There's a good chance that I, that I wouldn't be here, especially during the Iraq, during the uh, Iraq. But seriously, I would definitely, I would be a, hopefully I'd be a, a, a colonel, a general in the, in the military. That's what I, I, would, I would be. And there are many reasons why I did not stay in. And the, the major reason is because I got married. My wife says, I'm not going to this small town, this small town, this small town. I have a master's degree, blah, blah. And so I would be a general right now, colonel or general. Awesome. Aim high. The, um, or actually, you know, you said army. I shouldn't even say aim high because I didn't even mean to say that. No pun intended. I didn't even, I didn't even mean that. I I know. Artillery aim high and artillery as well, though. So, oh, well, there you go. There you go. And the final question is what's the most important piece of advice you would give to educators and leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve? I said, no one thing, which are people who are listening to tales, the theme is to listen. You have to listen to people who you lead, listen to everyone. And also as a leader, allow, uh, a lot of people want to, uh, I guess, monopolize their leadership, delegate some things out. You'd be surprised on the leadership abilities of some of your teachers. That's what I try to do when I have projects. I, I can't do it all. So I delegate things out and it's a good test for those teachers that, who want to be leaders themselves. So don't try to hold all, all the power. I, I've had principals before who try to hold everything and they, and they, and they almost lose their minds because they can't, you can't do everything. You have to release some of that. You can't uh, delegate authority, but you, you uh, responsibility. You can delegate tasks. So I delegate some of these leadership type tasks. Uh, for instance, we have a program called the Lighthouse Task. And, it, and what it is is like an award program assembly for students. And I let a teacher handle it. And she planned it four days with other teachers. She, she uh, got the POs. You an excellent job. And right now she's an assistant principal. This year she's an assistant principal in, in another district. So again, to summarize is that listen, listen both with your ears and with your eyes. Somebody may be telling you something, but their body language is saying something else. And also as a leader, don't be afraid to delegate things to other people. If they make mistakes, like, like I got to tell my teachers now, this isn't the army. It's not life or death. If you make mistakes, we're going to fix it. You know, an army is a situation where, no, it's, if you make mistakes, it's life or death. But there's nothing we can't fix. Uh, but don't be scared to try. And a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, teachers are scared to try. But it, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, we, we're going to make it happen. We're going to fix it, no matter what it is. And if you do that, uh, you're, you're, it's, it's funny is that when you delegate things out to to it's more buy-in from from those people as well. So that's that's what I would say. Listen, and as a leader, delegate uh, ask or delegate things out to, to your uh, teachers and assistant principals. And talking about the buy-in and talking about being scared to try. I mean, that's a whole other podcast episode, but what what an example of empowerment that is. I mean, if we really want people to grow, they have to be empowered to grow. And make mistakes. Allow them to make mistakes. And, you know, when you said that, one of the first things that popped into my head when you said delegation, a guy that is a fantastic leadership development coach, 
he talks about the idea of delegation is not abdication and how delegation is work for the leader up front. But boy, does it pay dividends in growing people and freeing the leader up to do other tasks that they may be better suited for. Exactly. So and then the the, the next thing I thought about when you said that is listening, because I, I do like you, that you call yourself a professional listener, uh, that piece that listening creates a sense of belonging. When somebody's listened to, that just builds that sense of belonging. I agree 100%. Well, that's about it. Um, I, you know, I think you said some really good things around belonging. I think people are going to pick some things up that are really important around student voice and so forth. So I can't thank you enough, Vic, for taking the time. And, uh, anytime. And, well, you say anytime. Like we said before, I might just have to invite you back and we'll, we'll shoot the breeze about a couple of the other, these other topics that we might have uncovered. Okay. You know, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get in touch with you if they want to talk more about this? Because it sounds like you have more things going on as far as attendance and um, building that culture of belonging. Well, he's on Twitter, be in 1988. Uh, Twitter will probably be the best uh, right now. Excellent. Well, I'll put that in the show notes and uh, people can hit you up if they have any questions or want to follow up with you. Okay, that'll work. All right. Thanks again, Vic. No problem. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week.